Welcome to the Gospel According to, the first and only podcast exploring the intersection of pop culture and the Christian faith. I'm your host, Dave Hallahan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. You may know him as the man who daydreams about being a claw machine, for they have no children. Their days are easy and free. It's Dan Ulrich. <laughs> yes, I daydream about uh, things. I, I usually I daydream when I'm supposed to be going to sleep. And then it's like, I'm thinking of all the things mm. that I need to to do. But yeah, my relationship with claw machines has drastically changed over the years, as with most things where the, the glitz and the glam has worn off and you realize that all of these things are rigged and the claw doesn't fully grasp only like one out of every seven times and watching the Mark Rober videos on how these things are programmed to <laughs> make you lose uh that it's not really a game of chance or skill. So if it's not, I mean, even obviously the play till you win ones, they're still coming out ahead. Like they wouldn't have made it play till you win. If there was a chance they would lose. But if it's not play till you win, we're not doing it. Like, uh, yeah, it's hard for me as a dad because I'm like, I just want practical things. And so often kids do not want practical things. Do you know, have you have your girls got into like the LOL like No, thankfully oh, not. I think they've gotten like a couple things from them, but it, it those things are like 90% waste. Like that's right. what comes with them. <laughs> and so I'm always like, yes, it's fun opening it, but then it just sits in a bin until <laughs> we throw it away like 6 months from now. Like so I'm always trying to get them to buy more Lego because they always play with it and it can be used over and over and over again, where so so much of these toys are like play with it for the first hour and then it's trash basically. Yeah. Yeah. I was never a big claw machine fan myself, even as a kid, like there was an allure to it, but actually I think what I'm realizing as I say that is that we just grew up poor. And so (laughs) I I was probably just never, my parents were like, no, we're not spending our money on that. (laughs) Um, do you did you get the Bluey reference though? Do you know the Magic Claw episode? Uh, I saw in our research of this. I was trying to watch through some of them, but I didn't yeah. get. I didn't get to all the way uh, out there. That one. The other one. It was either you were going to be the Magic Claw, who uh, whose life is easy because they have no children, or I was going to say you may know him as the guy who has bum worms. But I didn't. I didn't want to do that to you. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so today. Uh, is the gospel according to Bluey. The long-awaited. Long-awaited. This was actually up there with Star Wars was the most requested a few weeks ago when I put out what what do you want to hear. So we are bringing the people what they want, the gospel according to Bluey. And uh, Bluey is a wonderful TV show, period. I don't think... It needs to be caveated or couched nope. with kids' show. Um, it is no no qualifiers needed. No qualifiers. It, I, it truly, I think, has some of the better writing in television. Absolutely, and it's only what seven minute episodes. Seven minute episodes, and so it's not like some of these shows are like you know the twenty two minute or the forty eight minutes. It's like all right, we got to just put filler in it. It's like no beginning to end. You know, this is what you need. Seven minutes of gold. We are both fathers. And so that is, I'm sure, how it found its way into our lives. Um, but I do feel like it's becoming a a pop culture phenomenon a bit that there are more and more people who are talking about it. You can now buy bluey merchandise and clothes at Target. And we've I've even gotten a few friends who aren't parents just to watch like an episode or two. I'm like, just watch it and tell me what you think because it's actually good. But yeah, you you guys can't see it, but Dave's wearing a, a bluey onesie pajamas right now. Uh 24/7. It's I'm trying I might cut off the sleeves so I can have a a bluey onesie <laughs> tucked up. <laughs> uh, so how did Bluey find her way into your house? Uh so this is actually a very distinctive memory that I have. So uh, being a pastor, my wife is a teacher, so she works. And so we have some, wait, you're a pastor and your wife's a teacher. Yeah. Wow. Are you a pastor? We're the Spider-Man meme right now. (laughs) We both have, you know, acrylic glasses, various, um, 
beards and only daughters. <laughs> and so really, this is just us talking to each other, yes. and talking in the mirror. <laughs> but yeah, so I was home with our youngest daughter, Ophelia, uh, watching her and, you know, at different points in the day, if I was going to go make her lunch, I would put on the TV. And usually I would just put on, like sometimes we'd put on, you know, Netflix or this was pre-Disney Plus. Uh, but then like when the episode ends, you have to like click next episode. And so that would like every 10 minutes interrupt what I was doing, cleaning or whatever. So sometimes I we had cable at the time put on uh, Disney Junior. And so it would just play whatever was on and then the next episode will come next episode will come so my distinctive first memory of bluey was being in the kitchen and ophelia being uh, on the couch watching the tv and just hearing her go mom <laughs> dad <laughs> bingo and i'm like what is this that she knows the words to this you know opening song that i had no clue about and uh, so that happened a couple times. And then I actually would s- sat down and watch her. And I was like a revelation. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. This is amazing. This, you know, the writing of the show, the heartfeltness, the lessons that is being taught, um, the whole packaging and everything was just brilliant. And so from there, uh, I would watch it with her sometimes. I'd watch it by myself sometimes. Um, no shame. No shame. And then, yeah, it kind of from that point on, because it is, I think, targeted towards the younger crowd but then our older girls kind of you know were ushered into and then when season three came out it was a definitely a whole family thing that you know we're watching this together season three part one right because we do have another batch of like 26 episodes that are coming out i forget when but uh not soon enough i can tell you that for us bluey as a TV show came on my radar first from a group of friends who have been alluded to on the podcast before they're uh, part of the fantasy football league in which I own a mug for winning the championship once upon a time. Uh, But they were just talking about how they had started watching the show and they loved it. Like it was great. Their kids like stumbled upon it on Disney plus or whatever, but then they got sucked in and, and they loved it and it was, and it was great. And so I had heard enough about it. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. I sat down with Riley, who's our oldest, and watched an episode. Don't remember which one it was. And there were a few moments that were like chuckly, uh, but like neither her nor I were like, oh, we got to keep watching this. So it kind of like disappeared for a while. And then on a previous podcast, Thinking Out Loud, that I hosted, we had a guest on Elizabeth Passarella. She wrote a book called The Good Apple. Go buy a copy, I guess, or actually just listen to that episode because then I'll get money for it. Uh, she's got she's got plenty of money. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she, uh, I asked in that episode, I think to start, I asked like, what are some of the favorite kids shows that her kids have watched that she has been forced to watch as well? And she mentioned Bluey and she's like, our whole family loves it and it's great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, I got it. We got to give it like another go. And so we watched it again and Again, I don't remember what episode it was, but we were all laughing and that is like when we got hooked. And yeah, it like it's a a major player in our house. Certainly with like an episode of Bluey is at least watched every day in our house. Um but again because they're only 7 minutes, often more than one episode. It's so watched. easy. It's yeah. so easy to click next episode. It's like a pr- you bet you can't just have can't no, what is the Pringles thing? <laughs> uh, it's not Pringles, it's Lay's. Lay's, yes, yes. yes. Not a sponsor. Not yet. Yet, yet. Bet you can't just eat one? Is that, what? that feels clunky. <laughs> yeah, I think the marketers refined it um, from that, but I don't know what the actual word is. Okay, anyway. Uh, can't pop till you stop. Can't stop till you... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys get it. You get it. So has uh, Bluey, like what ways has it found, uh, like not just in watching it, but has it like seeped into the culture of your family, the way you guys talk with each other, the way you guys play with each other? Yeah, there's definitely the element. And I saw uh, a report recently, news report that, you know, basically statistics show that, you know, more dads are playing with their kids based mm-hmm. off yeah. Bluey. Uh, and I think we, we before we started recording, uh, the one thing that I've heard, uh, at least my youngest, maybe others, is saying for real life, 
Like, <laughs> yeah. Just some of those like little phrases that you don't know, or sometimes I don't even know that they're from that because right. they've watched it without me for uh, real life. Uh, and then just picking that up. But I think just uh, bringing that creativeness that is already within our family. And I think within fatherhood of uh, playful teasing with kids and, and imaginativeness and just re-emphasizing it or um, bringing it to the forefront of like doing those things more often. How about yeah. you? Where Where is Bluey most present in your household? We, um, my youngest daughter exclusively refers to her butt and any other butt as a bum <laughs> and talks, talks a lot about butts. And I feel like because she started doing that and I think Leah and I found that really funny and cute. And so she like saw the reaction to it. So now right. she just talks about bums all the time. Does she have uh, an Australian accent? Yeah. She not, not yet. Not yet. That's the closest, but we definitely, um, have that the imagination and creativity in the gameplay as well. Um, certainly some of like the games that they play on bluey. If you haven't watched bluey, maybe we should back up and tell you like what it's a family of dogs. They are, uh, the healers because they are healers, blue healers. That's the type of dog that they are. Uh, but it centers around the one family, the healers, mom and dad who are chili and bandit. And then they're, two daughters, Bluey and Bingo. And it's just like a day in the life or seven minutes in the life of this family and just the things that they go through. But because of like the universe of this TV show, the parents are almost like forced to participate in whatever idea the kids have, the games that they want to play. Uh, and so it just, it's very like real to life aside from the fact that they're dogs, but it, it looks like a little microcosm or a little snapshot of my family oftentimes. Uh, and I'm sure yours, but so there are tons of games that these, the dad accidentally makes up and then the kids want to play all the time, which is like such a thing that happens yes. <laughs> in our house, like just spur of the moment. I'm like, Oh, let's do this thing. And then all of a sudden that is now a game that we have to play all the time. Uh, and so some of those games that they play have made their way into our house. Um, Hotel. I don't know if you remember that episode. Yep. That's one that we play. Keepy um, Uppy. Keepy Uppy. Yes, yes. Um, restaurant. Uh, so these are all things that have made their way into our house. But even aside from the show, some of those, we've had Bluey-esque games that we've played uh, that I've accidentally turned into games. Do you guys have any of those? Oh, for sure. They're, the biggest one that I relate to with Bandit is the trying to find, especially when my kids were younger, now they're a bit older, so it's a lot of, but definitely the kind of like crawling toddler age was how can I find a game that I can interact with the kids that involves me laying on the couch? <laughs> yeah, so like yeah. hospital was a good one. Yeah. Uh, other things like that where it's like, okay, I will interact with them, but as a person laying on the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the lines from like, isn't there a game we can play where I can just lay on the bed or the couch? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that is great. We, I don't, again, this just like came out of nowhere one day. We were actually at my in-laws house and the girls were probably like bored and they're like, we don't, there's nothing to do or something like that. And I just grabbed a blanket. And I said, do to do normal day and walked up behind Nora and covered her with the blanket and then like ran away. I kidnapped my own child. Um, but that do to do normal day is now a game that we play. And she always Nora's like, can we play do to do? And I'm like, OK. And so I just the girls. It's funny, though, because they've like turned it into more of a thing. They as soon as I say I'll play, they all stand next to each other in a line and they're like, well, Normally we, uh, I'm in school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but maybe we could play like, they just like <laughs> enter into a conversation that they weren't actually having. And then I have to walk behind them and go do to do normal day and throw a blanket over them. But there's so many times where as a dad, like you're just trying to be goofy or like break the tension or you have a spurt of energy and you accidentally create a game that was fun in the moment. But then when your kids yes. want to play it every day, <laughs> yes. like, oh, my goodness. Uh, we had one where it was like the girls were on our bed and I'd be like, 
all right, stay there. And then as soon as they would like try to get off, I'd like, you know, pick them up and like, I was like the jailer or whatever, like throw them back on the bed. And it's like, you know, that's one of those ones that was like fun in that moment when I was, you know, energetic, ready to do that in that moment. But that's like, I don't want to do this every single night, girls. <laughs> now, when we go shopping, I like they're in the cart and I'll like push the cart ahead of me and I'll like turn down. I'll act like I'm turning down an aisle and I'll, then I'll be like, Hey, get back here. And I like chase yeah. after them. But then, then they want me to do that all the time. And I'm like, I need to actually get stuff too. Like, that's why we're here. Uh, so I guess I, I have a question for you. Do you have, do your kids, uh, do you feel like they closely approximate any of the characters in the show? Bluey bingo or like muffin. Who's crazy. Um, there's there's some I w- I don't think one to one no but there's definitely uh, elements of of it where like the bingo being more kind of responsible and uh, doing stuff and then Bluey kind of being the more you know crazy create there's definitely those elements back and forth between our girls that will take on those roles but overall. I think I see aspects of them, but I don't think there's really kind of that one-to-one that, oh, my one daughter is Bluey or my one daughter is Bingo. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think our three, I picked those three characters because I think those are the three closest to my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our oldest is most like Bluey in that she's always like the creative one and the one coming up with the game and, um, she kind of like dictates what the other two are going to do or not. Uh, and then our middle child is like the most sensitive uh, and like emotionally uh, aware mm-hmm. person, which I feel like is Bingo's role. And then Muffin is their cousin in the TV show, but is like the wild card. And that's definitely Nora. Um, she can be all over the place. Do you have um, favorite characters that aren't in the main family? I love the just neighbors. Yeah. Just in general, when they're doing something crazy and the neighbors walk by <laughs> and and observe that. Uh, and usually bandits like just continues to play along. Yeah. Like if he's do, trying to teach the kids a lesson, like the one episode where he's like, you have to get me in the car. Yes, or whatever. Yes. <laughs> and then they, the one neighbor joins in on that or another one where he's being, that was Ragdoll. That's the episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so the other one where they're doing something crazy and then there's like a Dalmatian that's just walking along the sidewalk and just like observes. So just like the outsiders yeah. observing uh, what's going on. Uh, how about you favorite non-family character? Yeah, I think I, I like the recurring bit of Lucky's dad. Uh, yeah. That it's Lucky's dad. And most times the the adults even refer to him as Lucky's dad. I don't, I know in this, in the most recent batch of episodes, his name is Pat and he's called that, but I don't know if he was, was he Lucky's dad in the first two seasons? Did we know his name? I mean, that's how I, yeah, he's always Lucky's dad, but I know there's an episode where he's Pat and uh, that gets mentioned a few times, but yeah, I do like um, just, he gets roped into the games. I think the most, uh, Bandit kind of makes sure that that happens, as yeah. does like Bluey. Um, but those are good. They're, yeah, there's one in the the newer batch called I think it's called Born Yesterday. Yes, but like that's the the game that they're playing, and uh, Bandit has to. He was just born yesterday, and so everything's new. But yeah, they're like walking <laughs> by, and there's just some lady waiting for the bus, and he's like, "I have a wife." <laughs> But yeah, the way that he just keeps the games going uh, as they go, uh, even interacting with the general public is is a great bit. Um, so we've talked a lot about Bluey, and my guess is this will be the only episode we do based on what is known as a kid's show, but who knows what's coming down the pipe. But this show is different than just a kid's show. What... What do you think specifically? I think we've probably alluded to it, but what makes Bluey different than being just a kid's show? Bluey, I would say any family kind of cartoon sitcom thing 
it, it's very good at showing the realness of what family life is like. Uh, my critique a lot of times with these family things is like either it doesn't seem real or it doesn't seem like they like each other. Mm, yeah. One of the, I don't know if you've ever watched Bob's burgers. I haven't, but I love that show because it's, it's not the usual, you know, Simpsons family guy humor where they do something that it seems like they're always just like are s- stuck in their ways and, and don't enjoy each other. Like Bob's burgers, like he would, kind of join in on that but i think bluey takes it even further where it's showing the realness of family life where it's showing the parents loving the kids you know doing these crazy fun things but then also like sometimes not wanting to do that and dealing with the guilt of not always wanting to do that or you know the episodes where i think in the the newest season where they're trying to make uh dinner for dad's breakfast for bandits (laughs) And it's breakfast. And it's like that guilt of that we feel as parents where we want our kids to be involved. We want them to know we like it. But there's the practicality of like, if I just do it myself, it'll be done better and quicker, at least on the short term. And just those little aspects, like even the one episode, it shows the back seat, like their car seats. And just there's a bunch of like crayons and French fries and stuff like on the seat. <laughs> like it's a cartoon. Like they didn't, they didn't have to put it in there, right. but they just put this, you know, real aspects of it. And it just hits the nose as a parent. Uh, I don't know how it probably doesn't relate as well for non-parents. Um, but just those r- real interactions that we deal with, those real feelings that we deal with where it, it's guilt and trying to teach the kids and the aggravation that can be like, kids are exhausting, but you love them so much and you want to make their life special and and how to navigate that and do that uh, and still wrap it up in a lesson, the heartfelt lesson. That's not just the jokes that it wraps up in a heartfelt, you know, lesson or a point that's being made at the end. Yeah. I think it does. It does what other like family based cartoons or sitcoms do better. And without like, uh, like you're saying, without the, no one's the enemy, right? Like it's not the kids hate the parents or the parents hate the kids, but it's also not like overly cheesy where everyone is just happy with each other all the time. Like the kids are annoying and do break stuff and not follow rules and the parents get frustrated with that, but it's never like this animosity isn't what's driving the show. Uh, but it's also not like a, a Stepford wives, perfect family thing going on. And so it, it manages to hit all the right notes without ever being cheesy, which is hard to do. <laughs> uh, and I think like the animation, the music, uh, and even like the situations that they, they have in the show, certainly appeal to children but the writing is so good that it's for adults as well and like there's always those i feel like now like there's always a joke or two in a animated movie that is very clearly just for the adults like the kids wouldn't get it and maybe it's just something that kids have no reference point to like taxes or something, or it's something that's like suggestive and the kids won't get it, but the parents will. But that's not this show. Like it's not over the kids' heads necessarily. Um, and it's not inappropriate in any way, but the parents, there's still stuff for the parents in each episode. And so they just do, they do such a really good job of that. And I, I do, as I watch it, it does, challenge me to be a better parent uh, and to be a, a better person. What what would you say are some of the gospel themes that you see in Bluey? I think being real where uh, we're not, like you said, it's not this perfect element. So it's relatable if it was. And I think some cartoons, maybe just because they're older. So there's like, but in Bluey, they have cell phones like, you know, and there's sometimes like at especially at night they put the kids to bed and the parents are sitting on the couch on their cell phones and it encourages me to want to be a better father to have those discussions parenting discussions with uh, my kids uh, but it's not in an unobtainable way 
So it's the realness of it. I think that's the gospel that Jesus is inviting us into it where, you know, complete holiness, complete righteousness apart from him is unattainable for us. Uh, But he's not asking us to do that on our own. And so often, especially like talking about sharing the gospel, sometimes Christians will come at people with like this mask on that they have it all together, that their life is perfect. And that's because that's unattainable. That's not attractive to other people. Right. But I think because Bluey is something that is like, I could do that. Like I can play that silly game with my kids. I do it sometimes already. Like, let me do that more. And it's an approachable way to do that. And that's what the gospel is, that it's Christ drawing us to him. And that when we're sharing the gospel, that it's we can tell others, you know, I don't have it all together. Like, I'm trying to work this out myself. But like, would you want to join me on that journey uh, with that? It's not you have to stop doing everything and you have to be completely be perfect that there's we have flaws and we mess up and we apologize and we get better. And, you know, Banded and Chili, they mess up and they apologize and they seek to get better in that way. So I think that's part of the the gospel of Bluey. Yeah, absolutely. I think it it definitely it it meets us where we're at, which is what the gospel is supposed to do. Um and I think the there were three like words that came to mind that I think are gospel related. Three point uh, and, sermon. Here we go. Here we go. Oh man, I need the first one. So Two of them are eyes, but the first oh, one's a P. So they're not they're not alliterative. Uh, so presence was the first one, and I think like that is so much of the show that the parents are present in their kids' lives. So often, I think there are certainly things that pull us away that are unavoidable. But I think we can fall into traps that are avoidable but we allow them to pull us away anyway, whether it's hobbies that we spend too much time on, if it's our cell phones um, or just like our mood. I don't want to do that. And certainly that, that though that is explored in Bluey, but so rarely do they ever just say, no, like I can't play that game. Like they're just present in their kids' lives. And I think that is we are to be present to the world around us, not just going through the motions and certainly with our kids, but I think even just with the people around you, that we are to be present to the people around us, to to what is going on, uh, to how we can interact with people rather than, you know, headphones in, head down and just walking through life. And you spoke about this in the other episode, hustle episode, I think, where it's like so much of Jesus's ministry was being interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is one of the eyes was interruption. Um, and it, it definitely relates to presence, um, but being willing to be interrupted. And how do you respond when you are interrupted? And I think we can learn from Bandit and Chili. I don't know that they respond perfectly every single time, but they do get to the point where they're like, all right, like my kid is more important than whatever I was trying to do. Um, but again, that doesn't have to just apply to our kids. You know, how much of interruptions happen when you're at work and you're trying to do one thing, but then someone is like, hey, can I have help with this? I have a question for you. Um, and so be open to those interruptions. Uh, and then the last one is just imagination. Jesus says that if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to become like one of these little ones. We have to have the faith of a child. And I think imagination is part of that. As I've gotten older, I have fought and I continue to fight against cynicism. And I think it's really easy to just be cynical. And when someone has an idea or a thought or they want to do something, to tell them all the reasons why we can't do that, why that's not going to work. And I think part of building the kingdom of God starts with having the imagination. Like as we read through Jesus's Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, or at Luke's version, just blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted and cursed. Like we, we can look out into the world and say, Jesus, how can you call these people blessed? Look at them. They're not living the life that I would want to live. How, how can you say they're blessed? But Jesus comes with a different imagination and he invites us to see the world differently. And I think when we interact with our kids and when we watch 
uh, Chili and Bandit interact with their kids, they enter their world. They take on the imagination of their kids and then they can see the world different where Featherwand actually makes the a set of keys too heavy to lift off the ground, which obviously I would be like, we need to go to school. I let's get in the car. I'm impervious to your feather wand. Like, come on. Uh, but they just like enter into it. And I think in so many ways, that's what we're called to do is to enter into the world that Jesus showed us and that he sees. And it's not, it takes imagination to get there. But I think when we live in it long enough, we see that that is the actual reality. And as a parents and leaders, what I've been afraid of most of my life is failure. Like I won't mm, try yeah. something because I will fail. Or as a parent, it's like I'm not going to let my kid pour their own cereal because <laughs> I foresee it being a mess. Right. You know, because of my fear of failure, fear of what could go wrong. And that hampers growth. And I think that hampers the kingdom or, you know, ministry in the church that we have somebody that's willing to do something, wants to do something. And so often my urge would be to like, no, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good, too, because I'm always like struck by when Jesus sends out the disciples uh, and he actually sends out like 70, but including the 12. And one of them is Judas. And like we know how that story ends, but all of them. This is like the middle of the Gospels that, that Jesus is like sending them out and they're healing and casting out demons and proclaiming the, the good news of the kingdom of God. And like they were very much not ready for that. Like they there are many times after that moment where they just don't get it. And again, in the case of Judas, like never gets it. And yet Jesus was like, no, this is better for you to actually get your hands dirty to go and to do it. And like how dumb of a question to ask, but could Jesus have done it better? Of course he could have, but he thought it was for different reasons. It was better to let these people go and do it rather than doing it himself. Are you ready for the Bible breakdown? Break it down. And here comes the breakdown. So, Dan, a little bit different of a Bible breakdown this time. There is a particular episode of Bluey that got me thinking about the Bible. Have you watched Fairy Tale? It's I think it's actually the last one of this season. Uh, yes. Okay. And it is it starts with uh cold open to the end of a reading at bedtime. Yes, yeah, so and this is their um, story of him being younger, correct? Bandit yes, being yeah. Younger, he interacting gets with brothers. Yeah, he gets jinxed and he can't talk. Uh, but it starts with Bandit was reading uh, Hansel and Gretel, Hansel and Gretel. Yes, mm -hmm. Hansel and Gretel to the kids, and it's like, and they lived happily ever after. And he closes it, and he goes, "Wow, that was a wild ride." And Bluey's like, "Yeah." And Bingo says, "Are fairy tales true or not true?" And Bandit says, well, what do you mean by true? And Bingo goes, did they happen for real life? And Bandit's like, well, no, but there are true things in them. And he goes on to explain a little bit what are some of the true things from the stories. And uh, and then he's like, do you want to hear a true fairy tale? And that's where he tells them the story. But that idea of are fairy tales true or not got me thinking about the Bible now, before I get canceled, let me say that I don't think the Bible is a bunch of fairy tales. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. It was really Bandit's answer of, well, what do you mean by true? Because I think that is an important question when we, when we get to Scripture. And I think so many times uh, Christians, at least in the circles that I've grown up in, are like very adamant that if the Bible says it, that settles it. And there's no need for further thought in it. And including not just like the moral principles, but like the historical facts as well. So one obvious place where this gets played is like Genesis and the creation account. But all throughout, right, there's a story in Joshua where the sun stands still. And there are plenty of people who would be like, that's impossible. Therefore, the Bible's not true. 
so broad question, easy, no pressure answer, Dan. People haven't been arguing about this for centuries, so I'm sure you can give me a nice, easy answer. But how literally are we supposed to read the Bible? I don't believe the Bible's fairy tales like you do, uh, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I think uh, a key in the last maybe decade, 15 years of my Christian walk, I think a key growth element has been understanding the genres of the Bible. And I think that helps to inform some of these questions where there are you know, Jesus is telling stories. He's telling a parable uh, of that. And so I think from that aspect, we can do it. And then I think there are historical things where we can take them literally. We should take them literally. I think archaeology has backed those things up and other writings that are, you know, not biblical writings, but historical writings back those things up. But I think understanding what we mean by literal in Hmm. that. And so just one example is of the way biographies are written now. If you go and you pick up a book on Abraham Lincoln, what is it going to start on? Abraham Lincoln was born here, right? It's going to go through his childhood. It's going to go through, you know, his, his rise in politics, his, uh, you know, presidency, civil war, and then assassination to death. That's how, Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, shoot. (laughs) But then he comes back. Uh, No. And so that's how our, when we think of biographies, that's what we think of. That's that progressive linear kind of approach. Well, that's not how biographies were written in, you know, the first first century. century. So with our 2022 North American eyes, we're projecting that and we're looking at, oh, well, Matthew's account says Jesus does this and then he does this. In Luke's account, it says he does this other thing and then he does that. So that is that contradicting itself because me, in my view, I'm literally reading it that he, it's looks like it's opposing it. Well, first century biographies are, you know, not written in that way. They're not written linear in that same way. They're highlighting different things. And it wasn't a big deal for them uh, because that's not how it was written for these uh, different occurrences or, uh, you know, they're they're framing it, they're writing it to tell a narrative of that. And so I think some of that miscues that has happened in the church and outside of the church has been not understanding different genres of what they're written in who are they are written for and how they are written in that context of that. Yeah. I think understanding the, the, the time period, right. Cause even in biographies like that is part to understand the character uh, in biographies, they often like build the world around that character so that you understand that, you know, Abraham Lincoln was born in a time and place. And this is what was going on in that time and place that shaped him to become who he was. And while Jesus's biographies, the gospels don't necessarily do that so much, we do have studies outside of the Bible that will help us to shape that, uh, even how to understand how they were written and stuff. I think for me, like, one of the buzzwords nowadays is deconstruction, people deconstructing their faith. And I think some of that can be healthy. Some of that is destructive. Uh, I know Brian Zond, a uh, pastor in Minnesota, uh, who he refers to it as like redecorating or <laughs> reorganizing your faith, which I think is is more helpful, uh, renovating your faith. Uh, and I think those are, are maybe more helpful ways to think about it. But most of my quote unquote, deconstruction has come around, like how I read scripture. Because I think while theologically, like the church that you and I grew up in and the school that I went to were different in camps, one of the things that they shared in common was, you know, the infallibility of God's word and we have to take it seriously and literally. And many of those things at least in name, (laughs) I would agree with. But they also disagreed with each other on some of what they thought the Bible said. And I just feel like people make these issues that aren't 
not that they aren't important, but they aren't the biggest issues. They make them so big that it just, I think it detracts from what the Bible actually has to say and what it actually has to offer us. And we all pick and choose that we want to read it literally, but then there's certain things where it's like, well, I'm not going to read that part literally. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we had, you know, we've had these discussions before on, you know, different things on healing. That's like, if you're not, don't believe in literal healing or something, well, we're just going to gloss over that part. If you, you know, you want to believe it's literally, but then Jesus is saying, you know, you know, if you're left hand causes you to sin, like cut it off, like, well, I'm not going to read that part literally because I don't want to, you know, do that. Uh, or, you know, give everything away, uh, to, uh, you know, to the poor that to take care of these, uh, disenfranchised people. It's like, well, I'm not going to take that part literally, but the part that, you know, <laughs> we're fighting about, that's the part that yeah, we yeah. need to to do. And so it just comes into that. And, you know, I think a lot of our discussions, what it's brought back, like, is this loving our neighbor? Is this advancing the kingdom? Is this living the way Christ lived? And I, there's the thread of it that we don't need to pick and choose that we should be reading scripture as a whole, that it is a complete story. Uh, from, you know, the Old Testament pointing to this need for a Messiah, pointing to this need for a Savior, kind of setting up these laws, and then Jesus coming and bringing forth a new covenant, and then the church and the epistles and everything that's like leading us. It's like, we don't need to just read one section. We need to seek to read it in community, but read it then as a whole and seeing how uh, this leads us. And I think in light of Jesus as well, that like Jesus is kind of my hermeneutic (laughs) that like when I bump into stuff and I I'm confused, what could this mean? What, what doesn't that mean? Or this feels like it's leading me in this way. Um, but that feels unloving and unchristlike. I'm going to err on the side of Jesus. Like I want to look like Jesus. So, um, like there are, and there have been people who have justified slavery by using scripture. And if you take you don't even have to be in just the Old Testament. You can go to the New Testament and justify. So you can argue biblically that slavery is okay. But I don't think you can argue from who Jesus is that slavery is okay. And so I want to look like Jesus more than I want to look biblical, which I feel like is something that someone will take out of context and be mad at me for, but that's okay. But I also think like, So going back to like making issues that aren't big issues bigger than they need to be. I think like with like the creation account, for instance, did, did God create in a little literal seven days or not? I understand why that matters to people, but let's say literal seven days, right? What does that teach us about God? It teaches us that God is powerful very obviously, uh, that God is ordered. Um, and because of the way he ordered that God cares about humanity, especially what if it's not literal and God created through some million year process of evolution? What does that show us? Well, that God is willing to be in it for the long haul, that he cares about the intricate details, that he doesn't need something to change immediately, but Uh, is okay with it over a long period of time, and that he cares for humanity. But all of those things are true. So when I read Genesis, is it true? Well, depends on what you mean by true. There's truth in there, but did God literally create in seven days or six days and rest on the seventh? I don't know. I wasn't there. But my faith isn't shaken one way or the other. You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think yeah, I that that I don't. I'm going to butcher the Wesley quote, but it's like you know, there's things that we can be still brothers and sisters and disagree on. There's some core foundations that Jesus Christ was the Son of God that died for our sins and was resurrected, and you know, there's some core beliefs that we must hold to that are our truth. And then there's some of these other things that, like you said, don't don't matter and some things maybe we are i think for me i've had to not have a closed off heart because where i am now isn't the same place i was 10 years ago so right. i don't want to close off what god's the work he's doing in my life to stop 
any growth from where I'm going to be 10 years from now. Uh, but there are, you know, there are some elements uh, of things that we need to wrestle with without just, you know, hating or dismissing <laughs> yeah. other people. Or uh, I think there's certain aspects of the Bible calls us to judge, but judge, you know, through the Holy Spirit and judge with a gracious and loving air to it. Uh, I, think- I, I, I believe in the literal uh literal creation story and i think there's theological ramifications if you don't believe in that well noted i i actually think it brings it brings evolution brings death into the the consciousness before and then i think that before sin does yeah so that i think that throws off that balance of then okay if there's death happening millions of years before center enters the world then that's going to cause some issues theologically well uh, how how much do we want to? This could be do- the bonus uh, for your patrons <laughs> yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, how much do you want to do this? Because uh, like questions of like how did things grow in the garden, and maybe there was no death, but like did because seeds have to die to bring new life. Like that was it not that way in the garden? Um, like vultures, buzzards eat dead animals. Did well, that but, only well, happen after the fall? I mean, there's whole scientific things that like look at uh, carnivores and their their you know structure and stuff that they weren't necessarily created to eat meat that they could have been created to that. And then you have the whole like water canopy that that's how things were created and that's how people live so long and that's how right now there's not enough water in our atmosphere for it to rain for forty days and forty nights. So if we're going to believe in the literal. Uh, Noah and the Ark story that there's not enough moisture right now in our atmosphere. But if there was that, you know, hyperbolic chamber, that's how Terrell Owens was able to recover <laughs> brain and make Leo. it to the 2004 Super Bowl. You know, this hyperbolic chamber is like higher density of um, water. So there was this water vapor. Could that um, make it so that's why everything was more lush and wonderful and people lived hundreds of more years and then that's how it was able to be raining for uh 40 days and 40 nights i don't know but i think there is you know i think we dismiss you know some science uh creation uh science things sometimes uh i think i do and you're right we'll have to have a gospel according to creation theories where we can we can talk about it so here's a book that is not necessarily pro-evolution because i was going to say that i believe in the literal creation as well but i don't think it was material creation i think it was organization and giving purpose to the lost world of genesis one by john walton uh, is a great book and read it and it you'll love it i'm sure the point that i i brought all this up to say that i think Again, what it means to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think that you can believe in a literal creation or you cannot believe in a literal creation and still be a Christian. And I think because Dan and I see that differently, I don't consider Dan's faith or even his intellect or whatever less credible or less intelligible or whatever. Like I... I respect all of those things. I think you have good reason to believe the way that you believe. And that's fine. You're just as legitimate as me, uh, which maybe is an insult because I don't know how legitimate I am. But like, I think we, when we take hardline stance on you have to read the Bible this way, then it becomes a hurdle to Jesus. And I don't think it should be. Um, Jesus even says to the Pharisees, like you read the scriptures and in your studying, think that you can enter the kingdom of heaven, but you can't. <laughs> that is not the way to do it. Um the only way to the Father is through Him. And so I think if some of the, the things that Christians have made big issues uh, in how literally we read Scripture have been a hurdle to you knowing Jesus, I don't think it has to be that way, that you can get to know Jesus and work out those issues as you go. And the, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by who's in heaven with them. I don't know if you're going to be surprised in heaven, but <laughs> no, I, that's kind of anytime Jesus talks about the afterlife, it's always a surprise of who's in and who's out. Speaking of the end, 
Thank you for listening to the Gospel According to podcast. Remember to follow us on all social media platforms that exist or have ever existed. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or WhatsApp at TGAT Podcast. Thank you for sharing the Gospel According to podcast with your family, friends, and robot daddy. <laughs> Is WhatsApp for our international listeners? So we can talk to our Australian listeners. No, I was asking, what's app? What's app? You can also send us a mailbag question on our social media or by emailing tgatpod at gmail.com. We'd be happy to answer that question here on an episode. Don't forget to do your part of fulfilling the Great Commission by helping us spread the gospel according to one wonderful way that you can do that is by leaving us a five-star rating and review because I know we deserve it. Okay. And this is a podcast that you can listen to laying on a comfy couch or in your bed or wherever you want. That's right. This was the gospel according to It's like a, pr you bet you can't just have, can't, no, what is the Pringles thing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not Pringles, it's Lay's. Lay's, yes, yes. yes. Not a sponsor. Not yet. Yet, yet. Bet you can't just eat one, is that, what? that feels clunky. <laughs> yeah, I think the marketers refined it um, from that, but I don't know what the actual word is. Okay, anyway. Uh, can't pop till you stop, can't stop till you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys get it, you get it. Oh, I had the next question I was going to ask, and then it's, it disappeared from my mind. They're not alliterative. It's like a pr you bet you can't just have camp. Be surprised when you're not there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you take that yeah. back. <laughs> All right, take us out. I am not dead. I am Magic Claw. Magic Claw has no children. His days are free and easy. Mm -hmm.